right, almost 20 after 4. My apologies publicly to Mark Zuckerman uh, for waiting as long as he had to through that 4.15 break. That was my fault for rambling a little bit before getting to the commercial pause and also forgetting that we had bumped Mark up to 4.15 rather than 4.30. So we're thrilled to have you with us this afternoon, Mark. And you got to be thrilled with what you're seeing right now from these nationals. I mean, do you almost pinch yourself a little bit that all of this is going on all of the news that is happening and most of it not all of it but most of it has been good for the nats and look mark they might still finish last i don't know but the fact that they're tied for fourth right now for with the mets um this is pretty impressive stuff by these nats isn't it hey bob yeah it is um before we get started i'm hearing another show in addition to yours at the same time so i'm having a hard time hearing clearly yeah, we'll get that squared away. That's been a uh, bugaboo that we've had in our system uh, for some time now. We'll get our engineers on that so that the crossed wires get uncrossed. How about now? Is that better? I think we're good. There we go. There we go. All right. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it really has been something to watch the way this team's turned around. Probably since the last time we spoke, it's been a, a night and day of what they've done. Um, they're getting much better pitching. They are scoring runs in meaningful moments late in games. And their bullpen has been just outstanding. And they're beating good teams. I know it's easy to look at this and say, oh, well, you know, maybe they sweep the A's, big deal. No, they've taken some series here lately from teams like the Red Sox, the Reds, uh, the Phillies. I know the Yankees aren't great right now. They're under 500, but they are still the Yankees and still in the Bronx, meaningful games for them uh, of a team that was desperate to start to win again. So it's it's been a lot of fun to see the way this young group of guys starting to come together and believing that they can win games and beat good teams. Uh, Mark Zuckerman, you can follow him on Twitter at Mark Zuckerman, also the NatsChatPodcast.com, and you can get to all of their podcasts that way. And you and Al Galdi had a fascinating fascinating conversation about something that I definitely wanted to bring up. I'm going to drill down a little bit here, Mark. There are big-picture stories for us to talk about. Obviously, Steven Strasburg retirement and Davey Martinez getting the two-year extension and, and all of that. But in the Yankees game the other day, uh, a win again by the Nats, C.J. Abrams, one of the up-and-coming stars – I believe in baseball, who has a little bit of a flair, a little bit of a uh, flamboyance about him, hits this long, uh, very impressive home run at Yankee Stadium, and he stops to admire it. He looks at his dugout and does a bat flip that way and rolls around the bases. And Davey Martinez grabs him as he comes to the dugout. In fact, it was classic television, Mark. I don't know who the player was who was about to put the Homer wig on him and said, oops, wait a minute, this is a moment, I better not. And he backs off and he lets manager have his discussion with player. What did you think of all that? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? Um, Look, you have young players who are – excited to do big things. It's the first time he's ever played at Yankee Stadium and hitting a meaningful home run like that late in the game. He's going to be excited about showing emotion. As he was describing it, he said he's looking back at his teammates and, and, and trying to get them fired up. Say, hey, let's go. We're going to win this game. That It was not something that is meant to show any uh, disrespect at all to the other side of the equation. Now, David Martinez is known as a player's manager. Guys love him for it. You heard over the last few days the way they raved about him getting the new contract and in part because he is so good with them. That said, he's an old-school guy. He played in the 80s and the 90s when things were a little different, and he does still try to instill a little bit of that to his young guys. And his point is this. 
celebrate all you want, be excited. But don't do anything that might provoke the other team. He says, I know the Yankees are struggling right now, but they're still the Yankees, and do not poke the bear. Don't give them reason either, A, to start throwing at our guys, and now you're risking injury to somebody, or B, get them motivated and try to get off the mat and come back and win the game, which they almost did, by the way. I'm not sure it had anything to do with Abrams' home run or reaction, but they did almost come back. So I think that's his point. It's a fine line to walk. There's a generation now of players that is perfectly comfortable with and doesn't think you should ever be ashamed or embarrassed to celebrate the way that C.J. did on that one. And then there are still some old-school guys like Davey who say, well, hang on a second, enjoy it, celebrate it, but make sure you're not doing anything that might be misconstrued by the opposition. I thought it was fascinating, which is why I brought it up, and I did happen to have it on live at the moment it happened. And I'm more of an old-school guy, Mark. I'm a little little bit older. I've been following the game for for a long time. And I kind of surprised myself because I understand both parties in this case. I'm not even going to say sides because they're not on different sides. They're on the same team. They're in the same dugout. But I found myself leaning a little bit more towards the young guy, towards C.J. Abrams in that instance because he didn't do anything to show up the Yankees. He didn't stare into their dugout or at their pitcher. And I think baseball probably needs a little bit more of that, and that's the way he plays the game. And, And to your point, uh, that that's kind of what he was doing to fire up his team. I just thought it was a fascinating scenario, as you said. Yeah, and, and it's one of these that's kind of perpetually going to be there, the old school school versus the new school. And, I mean, look, C.J. Abrams is a great young player, a very respectful player, like like you point out, as he's saying, like, it, it was nothing intended other than to get his own team fired up. And the kind of stuff we see all the time now from players when they do something exciting. And I think he would also tell you if he struck out, and the Yankees pitcher celebrated and, and you know, mm-hmm. yelled at his dugout, let's go, something like that, he would have had no problem with that mm-hmm. either. So it, it, it's a fine line. Um, I understand where Davey's coming from. I know uh, he's, he, he's trying to protect his guys more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about him being worried, that, you know, that something's not right in the game today, but more so, hey, don't do anything that's going to hurt us, whether it's in the course of this game or later on. I think is his point, and, and it's well taken. Um, but I think for the most part, he's pretty good about letting guys have fun. But the whole dugout celebration thing, which now almost every team does, mm-hmm. it kind of started with the Nationals in 2019 when they would have the little dugout dance going, and Gerardo Parra and Anabel Sanchez would get whoever hit a home run to start dancing, including Steven Strasburg, when he hit a home run one night. Um, so it, it's, it's funny because in a way, Davies teams – have kind of been the instigator of a lot of these <laughs> new sort of celebrations that you see across the league. Yeah. All right, so now you've mentioned Davey Martinez and you've mentioned Steven Strasburg, so let's get see, to See, I know what I'm those. doing. I know how to Yes, you way. do. Well done. Well, you've done this a time or two, Mark, and you do it every day with Al Galdi on the Nats Chat podcast that I certainly urge people to take a listen to, particularly if you're a baseball and specifically Nationals fan. The Davey Martinez extension, um, what's the impact of that, Mark? The timing of it, a couple more years. I think there were some certainly whispers out there that Davey might not want to be back at this point, having torn down what he had you know, been a part of in 2019, building it back up. What do you make of the impact of the extension at this moment for the next two years for Davey? Well, think about this. How many managers have ever even been in the position that he's in? You are hired to take over a team that's in win-now mode. Uh, the first year didn't go well, but the second year you win the title. And then you're back, you get an extension, you return – and things start to fall apart, and they tear down the entire team and start all over. 
and you're given the opportunity to actually lead that uh, rebuild, and now to see it through potentially and get maybe back to the playoffs again. There aren't a lot of managers who do that or have the opportunity to do something like that. But it felt to me all along like once they made that decision a couple years ago to trade Scherzer and Turner and then certainly last year trade Soto, and they're acknowledging, okay, we are now going to take a few years before we build this thing back up again and have a chance to win again. You kind of can't really judge him on wins and losses anymore. You just judge him on the development of young players. And in some ways, don't you owe it to him now to have a chance to see what he can do when they actually uh, have all these young guys in the big leagues. And that's not going to be for another year or two in some cases. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people felt like the learners were going to offer it to him at some point. Now, their history is they wait till the last minute. And so I think a, a, there was a little bit of surprise they did it now and didn't wait until late September. But the team has played so well lately. There's been a lot of credit to Davey for what he's meant for the young guys. He has embraced it. It, it is different, a different challenge than he had when he first took over here. Um, but he has really embraced this idea of being patient, teaching young guys, learning how to win at the big league level again. And so I think for a lot of people, there was a relief, and for him, kind of a weight off his shoulders to know that, yes, he is going to get a chance now to see this thing through and not have to wait till the end of the season to find out. So do you think, Mark, and this is kind of a fun, almost throwaway question, that we're looking at a five-team race or at least a four-team race in the National League East next year, and maybe we're battling for second place still. Maybe the Braves are that good that it's the Braves and the other teams. Who knows what the Mets are going to do, but Miami seems okay, Philly seems okay, and Washington seems you know, certainly an up-and-comer. What do you think in the National League East here? Well, maybe the Mets are going to be the one that's not yeah. actually in win-now mode, amazingly, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, who who knows what they're going to do? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Braves are obviously really good and built to be really good for a long time. And so they are going to be the top dogs that everyone's chasing, uh, I think, for several years here. The Phillies are defending NL champions, so you can't take that away from them. And they are uh, in a win-now mode and will continue to be. I like a lot of what the Marlins have done. Their pitching is really good. They're still trying to catch up to everyone, I think, offensively, but they win a lot of close games. They have hung in there longer than I think a lot of people expected they would to the point now where they are very much in the race right down to the wire. And the Nationals are improving, of course. Um, it makes for a fascinating situation. And I think about the ALE, where we've seen a little bit of reversal here now where the Yankees and the Red Sox are at the bottom, and it's the Orioles and the Rays and the Blue Jays that are all contending. And maybe we're going to get into that kind of scenario now in the NL East where everybody comes into a year thinking they have a chance to win. It's, of course, not possible for everyone to win. Somebody's going to lose those head-to-head games, and maybe the teams that end up at the bottom are not the ones that you're expecting uh, like we've seen now with the Mets. Yeah, I think it'll be fascinating. I really do. All right, a couple more things for you, Mark. Steven Strasburg, um, fairly expected at some point that, unfortunately, these injuries he wasn't going to be able to overcome. How does How does this kind of... I guess, resonate with, with his legacy and what he has meant to the Nationals to basically, literally, put him on his shoulder and carry them to a World Series championship as MVP um, in 2019. Yeah, so I think yesterday's news, while nobody was shocked by it, because we had sort of read the tea leaves here over the last few months and understood this is probably where it was going, it still kind of hit hard, I think, for a lot of people, because it was that final realization of, oh, wow, it's really over. And all you can do is think back to all the moments and go all the way back to June 8, 2010 for his debut, which was 
truly a unique baseball event that we may never see again, where a pitcher is so hyped up and then exceeds the hype somehow in a remarkable performance, striking out 14 batters in his debut on national TV. That was the moment the Nationals became relevant to the rest of the baseball world. They were irrelevant prior to that point. And you can kind of point to that as the beginning of them becoming a franchise that people cared about and a franchise that started to win. And every single team they've had that has made the playoffs, he was an integral part of that, and never more so than in 2019 when he truly rose to the occasion and was dominant throughout the postseason and won World Series MVP. Now, the legacy, I'm sure people are going to look at the contract, which, of course, turns out to be a disaster, not his fault but it does turn out to be one of the worst contracts ever because he only made eight starts after he signed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to look at all the times he wasn't available to pitch over the years, which did happen frequently. But I think also most Nats fans are smart enough to to look at this and say, when he was out there, he was as good as anybody, and he has meant as much to this franchise as anybody ever has. They're going to retire his number here at some point. They're going to have a retirement ceremony for him, uh, you know, probably during the next homestand. And I think, I hope and I believe that the reception he gets is going to be overwhelmingly positive from fans who want to remember everything that he did do for them. Uh, and it's not just little snippets. He, he was a great pitcher for long stretches at times during the course of his career. And it's just sad that his body didn't allow him to do more than that uh, to, to get to a point where he's going to be in the conversation for Cooperstown. That's probably not going to happen. But in terms of Nationals lore, He's right up there with anybody they've ever had. Yeah, I mean, I think that response is going to be overwhelmingly positive and emotional when it happens uh, there at Nats Park, and as you said, in their next homestand. I'm not really trying to connect the dots here, but I did see the phrase generational talent used with him, just as I see that same phrase uttered and used um, with Shohei Otani. And I just wonder from a baseball guy's perspective and, and people who you talked to in the last you know 72 hours on the Otani front, what that means, not only for him and the Angels, but for all of baseball, that he has now had this relatively major setback and could certainly greatly impact his future in the game. Right. I, I think there's a similar sadness that everybody around the sport has. If you love the sport, you want Shohei Otani to be healthy and doing these amazing things that nobody has ever done in the course of, of history of baseball. Um, the timing, of course, is awful. You had the Angels deciding not to trade him and to go for it and try to make the playoffs with him and Mike Trout, and now they're losing, and then he gets hurt and Mike Trout gets hurt again, and it's looking like they're not going to make it to October, and now he's a free agent. And what does that mean for anybody who might be interested in him? I don't know the answer to that. Everybody's kind of questioning, do you still want to spend everything that it would cost to, to sign him? Do you treat him just as a position player? Do you treat him as a pitcher as well? Does he think it's better for him to sit out? For a year, if he does have Tommy John surgery and just let himself recover from that, it's truly uncharted territory here because nobody has ever been in the position that, that he's in. Um, but I'm sure there are people out there, baseball executives, who look at the Strasburg contract and say, I don't want to be the one who makes that same mistake, and in this case it's going to cost even more. So I don't know what the right answer there is, except to say that everybody just hopes that he can come back, whether it's just as a position player or as a two-way player, and be the, the guy that he has been, but to now be it on a team that ultimately wins and that this wasn't some flash in the pan because 
you know, we're all so lucky to be around at a time to see somebody do what he does because truly nobody has ever done this before. Yeah, absolutely. All right, lucky to have you on today. We appreciate it, Mark. There's so many other topics we could have gotten into, just didn't have the time to do it, but we'll certainly save them for our next visit. Uh, keep it rolling there with the Nats. I know that's a lot of fun for, for you, for Al, for the guys covering guys and gals covering uh, the team, and we'll catch up with you as the baseball season moves towards its conclusion in September. Thank you, Mark. All right. I think. Thanks, Bob. Mark Zuckerman, Nats Chat Podcast. You can catch all those podcasts right there. Just go to NatsChatPodcast.com, and they're all archived for you there. And you can follow Mark and Al both on Twitter, uh, obviously, and plenty of other topics that never really got to. The Stone Garrett injury, uh, very unfortunate with the broken leg when he crashed and got caught in the fence there at Yankee Stadium. Uh, the experience that Mark had in Williamsport we didn't get to at the, at the Little League Classic against the Phillies on Sunday. Never even got to that. There is just so much, as, as they talked about in their most recent podcast, on the, on the news cycle right now to involve a team that's tied for last place. And he used the word irrelevant to talk about the Nats before the Steven Strasburg era. That's what they were supposed to be this year. They weren't supposed to be a part of the conversation this year, and they were supposed to be irrelevant. I think you can make the argument they're not irrelevant. They may still finish last, but they've done enough good things for the most part to put themselves back on the baseball map, and I think it's a pretty impressive thing. As I kidded with Sean Robertson yesterday, it's easy for me to root for the Nats this year because they're not going to get to the playoffs. They're not going to win the National League East. They're not going to get to the wild card, barring something absolutely phenomenal from happening. So I can root for them this year. But when they're good again and they're battling the the Braves and the Phils and the Marlins, I'm not sure I'll be able to root for them then because they're going to be really good. Really good. All right, good stuff from Mark Zuckerman. That's Chad Podcast. Break time on the Sports Saddle back on the other side. 1061 ESPN.